a lot of times we focus so much on getting more money. We're, you know, at, wanting to ask for a raise at work or wanting to bring in more revenue as an entrepreneur. But a lot of times we're not focusing on keeping track of the money that we have. And so it ends up feeling like I have no money. Where's all this money coming in? Where's it going? And so one of my favorite things to do is to really help women feel empowered and, and feel like they're not just bringing in money, but they're building true wealth. Welcome to Let's Thrive the Podcast, a place for holistic storytelling with none of the BS and a whole lot of fun. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and my mission is to interview guests that inspire, educate, and empower you to live your best life. In these stories, you will see a part of your own journey reflected in theirs and learn to grow from it. And with that said, let's thrive. Welcome back to Let's Thrive the Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and get ready for a powerhouse episode today. Although this podcast is commonly focused on health and wellness, anyone that listens to at least a few episodes will know that I'm always going on about 360 wellness. So when I discuss how I believe in true health and happiness coming from caring for our mind, body, and spirit... I kind of bunch money and finances into it too. I think they both play a part. So let's talk all about that money, honey. I mean, think about it. How do you feel about money? Does thinking about it ever disrupt your day or your sleep? Does it cause anxiety and knots in your stomach or shame in your heart? Does it keep you from doing the extra little things that make you happy and or healthy and or just more content with your life? I mean, I know I personally am nodding my head yes, like hell yes, to all of those, so I assume at least 80% of you are too. (laughs) I know that for me personally, I've just really struggled with this all-or-nothing mindset, which as I've explained before, played a part in my disordered eating journey too, and I've now identified that I have this relationship with money too. And I know money can be, can be an asterisk, a touchy subject for some, but only because society has bred that into us. Because I, like many of you I'm sure, grew up with a skewered sense of money. And the examples I'm about to give, I'm not saying they're necessarily bad, or that you, me, we, we all, you know, experience them because some people didn't, but I'm just trying to point out how money was presented to us as youth, you know, as the little, little munchkin kids we were. So growing up, we're exposed to money in a myriad of ways. We're told that this or that is too expensive. You know, we can't afford that. We hear the words, I need more money. We watch our parents fight over money. Our family may suffer because we don't have enough money. We're given an allowance and we blow it all immediately with no consequences. Or we're working jobs but not saving. (laughs) We see those around us acting, you know, extra cheap or maybe just money savvy in their mind. We see credit cards as these magical objects that get anything you want. We get money, lots of money sometimes, for holidays or birthdays. And sure, some might go to savings, but the rest, we spend. We see the rich in society as our idols and we glorify them. The media glorifies them to us. And then, you know, on the news and from our parents, we get all these warnings and stigmas of the low income people of our society. And, you know, these are all just different ways that we, you, me, I, society, like this isn't going at anyone in specific. It's just different ways that we're exposed to money in our youth. And we see, hear, experience all of these money transactions and money thoughts as a kid. And so they become ingrained in our mind as what I like to think of as like three categories. Money scarcity fears, money abundance, or money neutrality. Kind of think of it in the body, you know, body image sphere too here. So we're either afraid to ever spend, always in fear of not enough, always striving for more, or we spend without a care always believing that there will be more, whether there actually is or not, (laughs) or some lucky chaps will just be money neutral, aka have a fine relationship to money and not really struggle with one or other of these extremes. And I think the underlying problem is that for most of us, there's hardly any education on this topic. 
Our parents may teach one or two things, or if you're lucky, your school does. Mine did not. Or you're a finance person and you just get it. But otherwise, I feel like we're just left high and dry when it comes to actually understanding finance and how money works. Which is why, cue to today's guest, the queen, someone I knew I wanted to have on the moment I found her account, Chloe Elise from the Instagram at Deeper Than Money is here to chat all things money, honey. She is a millennial money coach and is on a mission to make finances fun and easy to navigate. After paying off all of her debt of over 36000 I think, you'll hear in the episode, in like 18 months, um, Chloe decided to take the leap and start helping others do the same. Within her first year of business, Chloe grew to a multiple six-figure and now guides others to optimize both personal and business money goals to find financial freedom. Now, not only is she a badass money queen, she just has a heart of gold and is so fun. I was laughing throughout nearly all of this episode because her personality is just so bubbly and bright. She truly does make this sometimes scary, touchy, taboo topic fun to talk about. And I just have to give a shout out to good friend Sylvie on Instagram at Seasoned by Sylvie because she's the one that initially introduced me to Chloe's page and now I'm on the road to becoming financially educated. At least I'm trying to. (laughs) But truly, Chloe has taught me so much um, just in recording this episode and then in me editing it and listening back. And then ever since I followed her on Instagram, it's just been amazing. And it's actually funny. So we recorded this think in like February. So this was before COVID and she had sent me her one offering, which is a negotiation playbook. And I was like, okay, like I'll give this a go. Let's see, you know, if she knows what she's talking about. Literally no joke. I, for a trip that I had been going to go on pre-COVID, I had managed to use this guide of Chloe's offering of the negotiation playbook. And I got $200 off of this Airbnb that I would have been staying at. But then COVID happened and the world shut down. So I didn't end up getting to use that negotiation, but it was just so neat to see like, ah, I don't know, is it magic? What is it? Like, Chloe, you're just a queen. So that's just one example of her work. And in today's episode, we discuss all the other facets of it, you know, so such as how she even got interested in money and how to be money smart during and after college, uh, paying off debt, and how to even start that process. Understanding the general flow of money, and moving past that financial guilt or shame that a lot of us feel. It's kind of like that restrict and overspend schedule that I suffer from a lot, and I'm sure some, maybe a lot of you do too. (laughs) So overall, it's just like a good episode. You'll learn how to spend in alignment with morals, and there's a little bit in there about credit cards because, you know, Newsflash, they're not this magical entity that gives us whatever we want. (laughs) Lesson learned. So there's just so much else to learn and be inspired by in this. I cannot wait to get Chloe on in the future for another episode, and I hope you guys resonate. If you want to give her a listen and learn even more and be more inspired by her, she is on Instagram at deeper period than period money, linked below, and I'm on there at Emily Feichels and at Let's Thrive Podcast. Let us know if you listened, what you thought, what tidbit you're taking away from it. We would love to connect. And as always, if you appreciate the show, if you like it, if you could leave a rate and review, that's something entirely free you can do to support moi, me, aka yours truly, a podcast host. It means so much, just a simple rate and review. But I appreciate you all so much, regardless of if you leave one. (laughs) And I'll talk to you guys at the other end of this episode. So let's dive in. All right. Hello. Hello. Sorry about that delay. You're so okay. I got on like, I was running late behind too. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. One of those days. It's always so good when you're like, oh no, I'm late. And then you pop on and the other person isn't there yet. And then they pop on and they're like, I'm so sorry. And you're like, not a problem. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, I know. I know. I love it. Rarely happens. And then I always freak out when I get on. Like I go to get on early and someone else is already on there. And I'm like, oh, how long have you And then you're just like, okay, well, I'll get started. (laughs) So funny. Well, thank you so much. It's so, this is going to be so fun. I can already tell. 
Um, Yay! I know. I first found you through Sylvie on Instagram. Yes, that's my best friend in the whole wide world. She is. She's a queen. I love her. (laughs) And yeah, just as soon as I found your account and started like listening to your podcast, I'm like, she is such a one educational person and two fun. You're just a lot of fun. (laughs) Well, that's the biggest compliment ever. So thank you so much. Okay, good then. So to start off, would you mind just giving a little introduction into who you are, what it is you do, so that people can get an idea of what we're about to get into? Oh my gosh, of course. So my name's Chloe Elise, and I'm a millennial money coach. So I work with millennials, especially women, on how to take control of their finances to really win with money. A lot of times we focus so much on getting more money. We're you know, at, wanting to ask for a raise at work or wanting to bring in more revenue as an entrepreneur. But a lot of times we're not focusing on keeping track of the money that we have. And so it ends up feeling like I have no money. Where's all this money coming in? Where's it going? And so one of my favorite things to do is to really help women feel empowered and and feel like they're not just bringing in money, but they're building true wealth. Um, So, and also, you know, I'm on a mission to make finances fun and easy. When I went on my own personal finance journey, it was hard for me to find one content for millennials. And number two, it was just, everything seemed boring or not for me. And, and so being able to really find stuff and, and be able to take harder concepts or, you know, things that are a little out there and just apply it to things that we care about is is so fun. And, And so that's what I'm, that's what I'm here to do. I love that. And I just, I, the reason I align with your work so much is because, you know, I'm 20 and I'm trying to figure out this whole finance thing as I, you know, start to build a brand and all that fun stuff. And it's true. I mean, you try to look anything up online or in a book and it's like, you basically need a finance degree to understand it, which isn't helping me. So I, I just love your approach to it. And I think that it's really, you know, going to be a leading force in helping people, you know, of our age and of our generation really get a grasp on their finances. So I'm excited. Yes. Yes. And it's, it's so crazy because so many, you know, you go online and you Google, like, should I have a credit card? And then the top 10 articles are, are articles from credit card companies. And you're like, well, I mean, is this trustworthy information? Should I be listening to this? And then, you know, there's all these articles telling you not to, or, or that you should be doing this or this and that. And it's so, there's so many different opinions out there that it can be really hard to sift through that because we don't grow up really in a society that teaches financial education from an early age. No, definitely. And that's actually what I was going to ask you about is, you know, at an early age, did were you interested in finances? Like when did this whole money mindset thing really kick into gear for you? Oh my gosh. Great question. So I grew up in a household where money was something that wasn't talked about. Um, money was private. If, if anything came up or I would say, you know, mom, how much is that? You know, like asking, I was super curious. And so I'd be like, how much do we pay for that? Or why can't I have that? And, and then the answer would sometimes be, you know, money, like we can't have that because of money. And I would be like, well, why can't we have that because of money? Like, how much is it? What, why can't you just pay for that? Like I asked those questions and it was very like, this is a private thing. We're not going to talk about this. You don't ask those questions, yada, yada. And so as I grew up, that was just something where money was definitely on the back burner. It was something I didn't look at. It was something I didn't want to think about. And my parents did really instill the beliefs of being a hard worker in me. And so I had a job since I was like, you know, 13, 14, I was like babysitting, making money under the table, like going and being like a a mother's helper when the mom was home and I was babysitting. It was super funny. But anyway, so I was making money as, as a kid basically. And I bring it home and my parents would say, you know, make sure you save or make sure you do this. So I understood some of those basic principles, but it was very like, okay, because I, I, they told me to fine. I didn't really get it. And so then when I went into college, I, you know, signed my life away on all the papers taking out debt, but I had no idea how much I was taking out. I just want, I just knew I was going to college and I thought that was what you did. And so I was like, okay, cool. I wanted to know nothing about it. I was like, that's scary. And I just don't want to deal with it. And then, um, it was about my junior year of college 
And I start, I was like super overwhelmed. I didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. I was going through a breakup. I was like, I don't even know who I am. Like I was just trying, I felt so out of control and I wanted to get back into control. I also started getting into like, I started like loving Beyonce and like watching all these like, um, you know, these like feminist, uh, YouTube videos. And I was like, I want to feel empowered. I want to be an empowered woman. I was like finding personal development and stuff. And I wanted something to latch onto to really like feel in control. And for me, that happened to be money. Money was the thing where I was like, I'm so frustrated because I feel so powerless because I have no money, even though I was working all the time. So anyway, I went on a spree to learn about money, to get ahead with money. And it, I mean, oh my gosh, trial and error. And I, I failed so many times and I followed so many, so many pieces of terrible advice, but I finally started to figure out what worked and what didn't. And that's when I had, I ended up paying off $36,000 of debt in 18 months, part of the time when I was in college, like I was 19 doing this. Um, so it wasn't like I was like, oh, I, I made a million dollars and I won the lottery and then I did that. I was like, no, I was, I was working like five part-time jobs and, um, and everything changed for me. All of a sudden I, I was feeling more confident talking about money. I was feeling more confident speaking up at work. I was, had more freedom to go and take the trip and enjoy my twenties and do all that stuff. And so it really impacted me. And, um, I was like, well, I'm so normal. I'm like the most normal person ever. If I can do this, I can teach anybody else how to do this. So that's really kind of my financial background and, um, how I started from someone who hated talking about finances, who felt super weird and awkward if money was brought up to that, you know, now it's my favorite subject. <laughs> well, I always think it's so funny how, you know, the things we fear or we're uncomfortable about, we're just so, it's so easy to just turn the other way. So exactly. It's like, you know, we get uncomfortable with the fact with looking at how much we spend each month. So let's not look at that. You know, let's just kind of put it under the covers or let's just pay the money. And I don't know, sometimes you do just have to have those hard sit down moments of, wow these are my spending habits or wow, uh, when did my savings account drop from that to that? Like it just, you know, sometimes you do have to have those hard conversations with anything in life, uh, but especially with yourself and it comes to finances. So I love that you brought up the fact that you were, you know, running away from it for quite a while as so many of us do. Oh my gosh. I, I was the epitome of running away. I would, I would play this cute little game in college where I would, I had a debit card and I would just use it until it declined. And then when it declined, I would be like, well, okay, I guess I can't buy groceries. And then I would just like go home and like eat. I don't even know what I'd do. I'd eat ramen for like a week. And one time I was so frustrated. It got declined and I was like, oh, this is so stupid. And I texted my mom. It was probably like a mean message. My mom's like an angel. And I text her. I'm like, why, why is my card getting declined? And she's like, well, look in your online banking. Like what, how much is in there? And I'm like, I'm like online banking. I'm like, I don't have that. And she's like, then how do you know how much money's in there? I'm like, I have no, I don't <laughs> like, I, just, I don't know. I'm like, I'm just guessing. I have no clue. And she's like, Chloe, like, what are you doing? And so that was literally the day I'd had this debit card for like, you know, maybe four or five years. And I'd never, ever known the balance. I just knew money came in and I would spend until it was gone. And so I was the worst with money. And I, it, the thought of facing that was terrifying for me. Um, and it, it, it has to come from a place of empowerment and realizing that it's not shameful to face the facts. In fact, it can be really empowering because where you've been doesn't determine where you're going. And if we can believe that, and that's the way we face finances, we say, you know what, this are my past or whatever mistakes I've made with money. That's not what determines how successful I'm going to be with finances, but if I stay down this path, where I've been is going to determine what, what happens financially. So let it be empowering and it changes everything. I love that. And, you know, and I think that is something that a lot of people feel. So I'm curious with the whole debit card thing, just as a little side thing, are there any, like, what would be your best advice for someone that's in the same boat, you know, where they just can't keep mm -hmm. track of their money. Maybe all they have now is a debit card. Like, you know, let's mm -hmm. talk about that type of thing. Is there any, you know, program, uh, just practice in general you'd suggest for, you know, helping to build that habit of keeping track and really knowing <laughs> like this is the money going in, this is the money going out and not just running it into the ground time and time again? 
Yeah, absolutely. So one of the easiest things, and I tell all my clients to do this, whether they are newbies, whether they are, you know, a seasoned pro is to turn on your um, notifications per purchase. So if I, every single time I swipe my card, my, I, my bank, like my app goes beep, boop, beep, and it pops up and it's like, you just spent $5 at Starbucks or you spent $10 at Target, whatever. When I'm at Target and I just bought it, I'm like, yeah, duh, I know. But I cannot tell you how many times I've gotten a charge and I'm like, well, what is that? Like, I, I don't know what that is. And I go and it's, I accidentally got double charged or it was a fee that I wasn't supposed to have, or it's a subscription that I forgot to cancel that I would have just left in there and things like that. So, so often if we are just aware of all of the purchases coming in, that's a great first step of really just knowing what you are spending your money on. Because a lot of times by having that disconnect of just swiping the card and not thinking about it, we're not consciously spending. We're using it like a genie hat. We're like, hmm, bippity boppity boo, this is fake money. I want 1 million pairs of leggings. Like we're not thinking through it. And a lot of times this is the biggest thing that you know, one of the biggest pillars of my company is that money doesn't have to be restrictive. Like getting ahead, you don't have to sacrifice. You don't have to be restrictive. Like you can get ahead just by spending in alignment and just by acting in alignment. And so um, the, one of the biggest things that I've noticed is a lot of times when we aren't consciously spending, so we're just like, oh, we're at the store and we just say, okay, I'm getting this. When we're not consciously spending, it's not in alignment with us. So for an example, if I go like for leggings, I, I'm going and I'm getting leggings. And if I went and I was like, screw it, I'm going to get 15 pairs. That's not in alignment with me because I would come home. It would clutter my apartment. It would it'd be more laundry that I'm doing. Like, I don't want that. That's not supporting the life I want of decluttering and having less clothes everywhere and having only the clothes I love and getting rid of more stuff. Like, and so it's like sometimes when we are out of alignment in one category, it shows up in so many other categories as well. I love that. Yeah. And it's, you know, we, we all have those, you know, morals we kind of live by, whether we, you know, think of them or not. And I, same as you, I, I hate clutter. I don't like a lot of things around me yet. Sometimes, yeah, you go to the store, you just need one pair of leggings. They have a deal to buy five, get one free. Who in the world needs six more pairs of leggings? I don't know because we all already have too many. And yeah, it just, it kind of builds up. And that was something else I wanted to ask you about is, you know, I think a lot of the times, even if we are unconsciously, you know, buying these things, we're not really intending to, it just kind of happens. A lot of times, like we do still feel the guilt, whether it's, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I'm sure some people don't, that's, you know, it happens, but I feel a lot of us do afterwards, you know, when we get home and realize now I have 15 pairs of leggings or wow, like, you know, I, all that money I just earned from work is gone already. So how do you suggest people work through that guilt? Because yeah, you want to come to terms with what you just did, what you just spent, but you don't want to have the guilt just like swallow you whole and put you down in like a little downward spiral. So how would mm. you suggest you work through the guilt to get, you know, a positive outcome out of the situation? Oh, I love this question. I love it. Okay. So the biggest thing is that the, the example I like to use is if you have a little kid and, you know, two little kids are playing and they're playing like, they're like dunking each other underwater. And one of the kids shut, puts the under, other kid underwater and it's like holding him down. And then that kid comes up for air. What does he do? He's like, <gasps> because he was underwater. And so, so often when we restrict ourselves from spending, when we do come up for air, when we do allow ourselves to spend, we spend like crazy because we're like gasping for air. We're like gasping to spend. Um, and, and so then that leads to guilt because it's out of alignment. And so what we need to do is we need to be proactive of saying, Hey, instead of setting unrealistic goals, so one of my pet peeves in the financial industry is like a no spend month. People will make like charts that say, oh, I'm not going to spend any money for one month. And to me, I don't like that because it's not sustainable and it makes you feel guilty for any spending. 
well, okay, fine. I won't go shopping, but then I'm going to spend money on rent and I'm going to feel guilty for that because I'm technically spending. Spending isn't bad. Spending isn't a negative thing, but when we treat it like that, then that's when the guilt and shame comes. And so if instead of, you know, the boy underwater, like coming up and <gasps> gasping for air, or a lot of times for us as millennials, that shows up as being like, screw it. I'm just going to buy that. Like, screw it. I don't even care. Screw my budget, whatever. I'm just going to do it. And then we go and do it. And then we feel guilty about it. But instead to say, listen, I give myself permission to spend. If that's in alignment for me, I give my, per, per, I give myself permission to spend and not feel guilty. If that's in alignment for me, um, I can tell you. So recently, have you ever heard of like Rothy's, the shoes? Yes. Have yes. you seen that? Okay. So Rothy's has been like aggressively targeting me with Facebook ads and Instagram ads. They've been aggressively targeting. They're just like, send Chloe 1 million face. I'm like, it's testing just you. <laughs> I know. And so for like three months, I've been like eyeing them. Okay. I've been like, mm. and I'm really moving more towards only shopping sustainable. And like, they're made out of like plat recycled plastic. And I just like, love it. And so I've been looking at them, whatever but not really like, never like pulling the trigger and buying them. Um, but it's been, you know, it's been something I've wanted. So this month I get again, targeted by an Instagram ad and I pull up and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go and look at which one I would get. So when I decide to buy it, then I'll, you know, I'll know what I'm getting. So I go in, I go, I find the shoe I want. And then I go to click my size and it says out of order. And I'm instantly like, I need this shoe. I have to have this shoe. I need it. Why? Because I couldn't have it. It was, it was, there was restriction for me. And instantly I was like, I was telling my fiance, I'm like, I'm so mad that they don't have my shoe. He's like, you weren't even going to buy it. I'm like, well, now that I can't have it, I want it. And so, so often that's how we are with shopping. And if we just let ourselves do it freely in a way that is an alignment, that wouldn't happen. Um, and so a, a great way to put this into practice is to always hit your goals first. Um, one of the biggest mistakes I see millennials make is that income comes in. Okay. Whatever money you have coming in, it comes in. Then you live your life. You're like, okay, for the next 30 days, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to shop. I'm going to do that. Then whatever's left over, I'll put towards my goals. I'll put towards credit card debt or savings or whatever your priorities are. We need to flip flop that. If whatever money comes in, the first thing we do is hit our goals. If we have a goal of saving $1,000 or putting 500 towards credit card debt, that happens first. And then with what's left, that's the money that we use to live and to shop and to do that stuff. Because if we know like, yo, what's up guys? It's Chloe. I already hit my goals this month. I'm going to go out and I'm going to shop and it's going to feel good because I've already hit my goals. My shopping is not stopping me from hitting goals because I always hit them because I do it first. And so just setting up simple things like that, where we are prioritizing what we care about most and then shopping or, or it doesn't even have to be shopping. And then whatever it is that you spend money, whatever area you spend money most is around and comes after our top priorities. I love that. And I, I mean, I think that portrays to so many things in life where, you know, sometimes you do have to prioritize the, you know, not so fun, quote unquote, things first, and then have, you know, the more fun things come into play. But I think the fact of the matter is like, we all know how we feel when we, you know, get enough sleep, when we drink enough water, when we, you know, eat foods that fuel us or get a little movement in. And just with money, like we all know how good it feels when you can look and say like, whoa, I saved that much money. Or, you know, like it, it fundamentally does feel good. It's just sometimes you have to like push yourself a little bit to get there. And I love switching that, you know, that mindset shift of let's, you know, let's cross the most important things off the to-do list. Uh, let's save, let's put it towards debt. And then we can have our fun. We can relax. We can just really enjoy, you know what I mean? And spend more consciously too. So I, I love that. And I assume that was a big part of you getting over that debt, which I did want to ask you about some. So, uh, you, it was what, it was over $30,000 in yeah, debt. Over, yeah. Over $36,000. And you got rid of it. You paid it off in 18 months. I think yep. that's okay. So like, where did you even, wh where did you even start with that? Mm -hmm. Okay. So the biggest thing is I had to face where I was. 
So I can still remember, this is like ingrained in my, like I, in my being, I can remember the exact day. I can remember who, who was there. Like I can remember this to a T. I was in the mailroom. I worked in the mailroom in college. I made like $7 an hour. And, um, I, that was where I did like my work study. And so I'm in there and this is right around the time I'm trying to figure out my finances. And I am not kidding you when I say that for about a month, maybe two months, I had been saving. I'd been saving money, saving money, saving money. And then it hit me. And I was like, wait, do I have debt? I, sw- I kid you not. I, I was like, wait, I probably, I, I think I have student loans. Right. And I, like, it, it blows my mind that I, that was out of my consciousness, but it was. And I'm like, I probably have student loans. Like I need to figure out what that is. So I, I, I couldn't have guessed it could have been a thousand. It could have been a million. I had no clue. And, um, so I, I called my mom and I'm like, Hey mom, like, what do I, do I have student loans? Right. Like, what are they? And she's like, well, I mean, I don't have that information off the top of my head, Chloe. Like you're calling me at work. I'm like, okay. You know, like, you know, I'm just like so naive. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know when I was the one that should know? And so she's like, okay, here's the number. Like you got, you call them and get the info. So I call them and they're like, well, how about you just create an online login? So I'm like, okay. So I'm sitting in the, I can remember this so clearly. I'm sitting in the college mailroom. I can remember what I'm wearing. I know what time of day it is. And I'm on this like office computer and I create this login and I log in and I see the amount of loans and I start crying. I exit out and I run to the bathroom and I just sat in the stall and I cried so hard because to me, I had been saving up. I'd been working so hard for like three months and I'd saved like $500. And so the thought of having to pay off 36,000, I think it was like maybe 30, um, I'm trying to remember the breakdown. It was like $30,000 of loans. And then I had a a $6,000 car loan or two something. So, but $30,000 of student loans. I mean, that felt like a million dollars to me. I couldn't even fathom that. Like I went to the bathroom, I kid you not. And I do in my calculator. I told you I made like $7 an hour. So I was like $35,000 divided by seven. And I was like, I would have to work that many hours. Like I was like, how many days is that? And then I'm like doing the math. I'm like, I'm never going to be debt free. And I remember just this horrible burden of being like, this is a death sentence. Like I'm never going to be done with this. This is horrible. How am I supposed to get ahead? Like, oh my gosh, I was freaking out. And so I had to face that like, and it sucks, but I had to do it. And then I I made a plan. I was like, okay, yes, this is big. And if I think about paying off that total, it seems so scary. And I want to just shut down and say, screw it. I'm not even going to do it. So instead, the first step that I would recommend to anyone who's in a similar situation is to break down your loans. So unless you have consolidated your loans, the majority of people will have, if they have a $30,000 loan, when they go in there, it's actually like a $500 loan and a $1,000 loan and a $3,000 loan all broken down. And so the, the better thing to do, the best thing to do is just to go in and to make a list of all of your loans from lowest to highest amount. So if you have a $300 loan, write that one first, all the way up to the highest. And then unless there is um, like a big red flag of interest rate. So if you have one loan that's like 17% interest rate and all of your other loans are like 4%, then okay, we're going to want to bump that one up and pay that one first. But apart from that, we're going to want to pay loans off from the lowest to the highest amount. Because as a 19 year old, when I sat down and looked at that, Again, if I thought of paying off $30,000 of loans, I wanted to quit right then. But if I looked and I said, okay, my first loan is $329, I could do that. I could do the math. I, I knew that it would take me a couple weeks or you know, maybe a month and this is how much I'd have to put towards it and this is when I'd be done and I could check that off my list. And being able to do that, cross that off and have momentum and then say, all right, since I tackled a $300 one, I know that I can tackle a $750 one. And then I would tackle that one. And then I'd go to the next one. And so <clears throat> the biggest thing is one, sitting down and getting that information. 
two, making that list and three, only focusing on one thing at a time. Because if you focus on a bajillion things and you're trying to pay off loans and save for the vacation and put money in savings and do this and do this, you're going to feel like you're not getting ahead. So when you're making a priority list of what to pay off first, maybe number one is that $300 loan. And then number two is to put $200 for a vacation. And then number three is the next loan. Like make sure that you are living your life in there too. You're planning for upcoming, um, friends, weddings or trips or vacations, or, um, your, you know, a big car registration thing that you have or property tax or whatever. Make sure that you're putting that in there, but that you're only tackling one thing at a time because that's going to not only allow you to focus all of your finances, all of your income to one thing, which is going to get that taken care of so fast, but emotionally you won't feel so spread out. And I'm sure that plays into the entire idea, you know, with the restriction where if you're just, you know, all work, no fun, and all your money's just going towards loan, 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 you know, when do you, when do you snap and spend way more than you ever intended to? So I, yes, yeah, so, exactly. hand. <laughs> <laughs> so you were, I'm assuming you were probably still hustling all the time, working lots of part-time jobs, but then were there any other tips in particular you did for saving? And something I know you talked about it on your podcast and it hit home for me was the idea of, it's like, I think you were calling it like self-sabotage, you know, which Mm -hmm. we all know that in other areas of life, but I had never thought of it in this financial way, as you would put it, you know, as easy as, you know, passing up the change because it doesn't matter well, Mm -hmm. you know? So could you talk on that a bit? Because I think that's something that will probably hit home with a lot of people. Of course, of course. So on your journey, whatever that is, like everyone has a financial journey. You're, you know, moving towards saving for the home or moving towards paying off debt or moving towards saving up to leave your job and and get a new one or whatever that is. Everyone's on some sort of financial journey. And a lot of times we will self-sabotage in ways that we don't even realize. And so A lot of times this comes from either not being aware of where we're at and what we actually want or not thinking that we can actually have it or really just not noticing or thinking about our day-to-day habits that don't align with our goals. And so one thing that Emily, you know, just mentioned is, you know, I, I cannot tell you how many times I'm walking with, you know, my friends or we're out or something and we'll see like a dollar on the ground or something. Okay. So silly. We'll see a dollar on the ground and everyone walks by it. I'm like, wait, let me get this straight. Free money on the ground. And like, no one, everyone's like, it's not worth picking up. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Like, if you say you want more money, if that is something that you tell yourself, you, you talk about, you say you want, you're, you're going for, but then there is literally free money on the ground and you don't pick it up, that shows, it shows that that's not what you want because why wouldn't you pick that up? And so there's so many different ways that it can show up in very like, you know, tactical ways or like examples like that, but it also can show up in so many other things like, uh, oh, you, you know, a fee hits your account and you're like, you know, I, I want more money. I, I, you know, and a lot of times the alignment is hilarious because I'll have clients who tell me, I want a raise at work. I want to raise at work. And then I'll say, okay, have you called the bank about the fee that hit your account last week that you were supposed to ask about? And they're like, well, no. And I'm like, okay, so why do you want more money at work? If you don't care about the money that you have, like if you're not paying attention to the money that's going out, why do you want more money coming in? Cause the leak in your bank account is still there. It's going out the back door. And so a lot of times we're only focused on bringing in more money that we're not focused on being a good steward of the money that we have. And so just making sure that this, the actions that you're taking on a day-to-day basis aren't sabotaging your big goals. They're not sabotaging what you actually want. Um, and, and this plays in such a deeper level too. Like every, you know, the saying that's like new level, new devil, like every time you break through to a new level of what's possible for you, there's like new challenges, which is fun. Like you got to love the grind, especially as an entrepreneur. You're like, you got to love the grind. Um, but anyway, so even as you're going to, um, you know, let's say you're a mom. Okay. And you're like, I want to, um, I want more freedom. Like the reason I want more money is I want more freedom. I want to be able to spend more time with my kids. 
but you're constantly taking the shifts, um, like the overtime shifts after work to get more money. So often if you're chasing money to get freedom, but what if you just stopped working one of those shifts and then you just got the freedom right now? What if you just had the freedom right now to just go home and be with your kids instead of taking the shift to not be with your kids so you can have freedom to be with your kids? And so there's so many ways where we say we want things now. We say that we're chasing money to go and get those things, but we're not implementing them in our daily lives. Um, an example of this, I, I made a podcast about this, and it's all about one day I sat down and I wrote my perfect day my perfect day. I was in a corporate job um, and I didn't hate my corporate job, but I knew at that point I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I was like, I, I just can't imagine it. I just, I, I'll love it so much. I'll be so happy. And so I wrote down and I still have this. It's literally in my bedroom. I look at it all the time. And it was like, at this time I wake up and I go work out and then I come home and I breakfast. And then at this time I do this and this time I do this. And I wrote this whole thing and then I was journaling and I was like, someday when I have blank, when I'm an entrepreneur and I have this, then I'll be able to do this perfect day. But then I went back and I was like, wait a second, there are so many things in this perfect day that I can do right now. Like, I was like, it is so funny that the first thing I wrote was working out in the morning. Why would I have to be an entrepreneur or make a specific amount of money to work out in the morning? Like, I don't, spoiler, you don't, you could do that anytime. And I was like, that's so crazy to me. We set so many boundaries for ourselves right now when some of the stuff that we're chasing money to get, we can have right now. So make sure that you're also taking a look at your life and saying, what are things I'm telling myself I can't have that I actually can really implement now? Do you think it's kind of like we're almost using it as an excuse, you know, in a way to like, you know, like we don't want to, you know, fix the leak in our bank account, which is our, you know, spending mm -hmm. habits. So instead we're just like, oh, I have to work these, you know, two extra shifts or, you know, it's, you know, in that, mm -hmm. in that example, it's like, oh, I want to work out in the mornings, but you know, I, I can't because I'm, you know, working this corporate job. So like, do you, do you think that's like another kind of subconscious way that we're creating excuses maybe for other parts of our life? A hundred percent. Absolutely. So we have, um, have you ever seen those like nest thermometers? Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. Okay. So on, if, if, if you're listening to this and you don't know what I'm talking about, so there's like, you should Google it so you can have a visual, but there's these Google nest. We, um, we moved into this apartment a year ago and it, it had, they have Google nest, um, like thermometer or, or thermostats and they're like, so fancy. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even know what they were. But anyway, it's, you can control your heat and your air via this like little nest thermostat. And, um, and so what you do is you say, okay, I, if it, if the heat, if it gets too cold in my apartment, if it gets too cold, then the heat's going to kick in and it'll keep it this perfect amount. But if it gets too hot, then the air kicks in. So theoretically your apartment is always like the perfect temperature because the heat or the air will kick in. That is how our money mindset is. If we get too low, our resourcefulness kicks in. I guarantee if I was like, Emily, Surprise, surprise. I'm a magician. I just stole all of your belongings, all of your money. I guarantee Emily's not going to be like, well, that's a buzzkill. I guess I'm going to go live on the street for the rest of my life. Like, no, she'd be like, okay, I got to get resourceful. Who are friends that I could stay with? What are jobs that I could get so I could start making more money? Like, how can I get back to that point? Because her resourcefulness kicks in. Her resourcefulness that says, I can do this, what, that tells her what she can have and what she can do kicks in. However, just like in the apartment, if it gets too cold, then the heat kicks on and kicks it backwards. That is our top, like that's our top notch. That's what we think is possible for us. That's our top money block. And so <clears throat> if we get past that, if we get a raise at work or we all of a sudden get a tax return or we get extra money or we get whatever, we're like, oh, okay, I'll, um, free money, right? I, I'll just go spend that. Like all of a sudden things like a month ago, we're like, if I just had a thousand dollars, I'd pay off my credit card debt. And then we get our tax return and we're like free money. Let's go shopping. And so we're doing things out of alignment because it's past our, what we think is possible for us. And so we self-sabotage 
to get back to our normal place. It's insane. It's crazy. It blows my mind because I see my clients doing it. And then when I point it out to them, I show them, like I reflect a mirror and I'm like, look at this. This isn't what you say you want. I'm not even, I'm not telling you what I think you should do. This is not in alignment with what you want. They're like, oh my gosh, I, I can't even believe that. You know, we're so blind to it sometimes. So perfect that you point that out because so often I see it on both sides of, you know, watch my clients be so resourceful until they get to a point and then they're like, I can chill. And I'll also watch my clients start to self-sabotage and we're like, no, we need to start raising the bar of what's possible for you and raising the bar of what you can achieve because it's so much more than what you actually think you can. I love that. And it's so, I'm just blown away. I'm like my mind's spinning because it's so funny how, you know, how, how much of the mind goes into finances. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, you just think it's numbers and money, but it really, there's a lot of just like with, you know, I, this is like mainly it's a health and wellness all around podcast, but we talk a lot about, you know, food, health, all those patterns that can go into that. And it's so funny to see the correlations between how we emotionally react to, you know, money and how we emotionally react to food, exercise, mm-hmm. like it's all so intertwined. And that's why I wanted to, you know, touch on this finance base because it is part of our emotional yes. mental health. Like it's so important. Oh my gosh. Yes. One of my, one of my one-on-one clients, she's amazing, but she, and she's gone through like a complete, um, financial transformation. She has gone through a complete, like physical transformation because she was so stressed about money. And every time she was stressed, she would binge eat. And then she wouldn't go to the gym because she'd feel so guilty about binge eating about this. And so now that we've figured out so much about her finances, then she felt she, she stopped stress eating. She stopped eating out so much. She would pack her lunch. She started going to the gym more and she's lost like over 50 pounds. She's freaking crushing it. She's doing amazing. She looks amazing. She feels amazing because it's the exact, exactly what you're saying. The same patterns that you use to self-sabotage when it comes to your fitness goals or your health and wellness, the exact same thing that you're using in different capacities. It just shows up a little differently in your finances. Like, so if you can get to the core root of this stuff and start asking yourself these questions, it's not just going to impact your bank account. It's going to impact so much more than that. Oh, I love that. That makes, yeah, it's so, so true. We're aligning our two paths here. (laughs) So something else I did want to ask about, and you kind of, we kind of touched on it earlier, but the idea of, you know, credit cards and Mm -hmm. like, I'm just curious, what's your opinion on them? Uh, yeah, I guess let's start there. What's your opinion on them? And then we can just kind of go from there and see what comes up. Awesome. So I am not anti-credit cards. I am anti-using credit cards incorrectly. So most people use credit cards like a genie. You know, they're like, um, this is fake money. This is monopoly money. I'll go put anything I want on it and I'll just pay it off later. And that's not how you use a credit card. Credit cards should be used like a debit card. I'm planning out what I'm going to spend. I know what I'm going to spend. This is aligned spending. And then I go and put it on a credit card in the exact same way I'd put it on a debit card. And so often that's not what happens. And so here's the thing when it comes to, so credit cards can be an important role in growing your credit score and raising your credit score. But there's a lot of misconception about what your credit score is. So your credit score is basically a measure of you handling debt, how much debt you handle, how much debt you take out, um, how much credit you've been given, and how you've paid that back and things like that. A credit score is not a measure of how well you're doing financially. It's part of the game in our society. Like, do you want to know who made up credit scores? The credit card companies. Like, of course. Like, and so, so often we are like, I need a credit card to grow my credit score. And and we're essentially paying for our credit score because we get a credit card, put thousands of dollars of debt. We're paying thousands of dollars in interest when we got it so we could grow our credit score. And I'm not going to tell you that a credit score isn't important if that is something where you want in your life. So for me, um, my fiance and I have a plan to, <clears throat> we're saving for a home um, to buy in cash. Like that's our big goal. Our goal in life is to never have debt. Like we don't ever, he just became debt free. 
Um, I became debt-free like we talked about earlier. And so we're both right now 100% debt-free and our goal is to be debt-free forever. A credit score won't matter that much to me in my life, um, except for I'm still playing the game. I have a credit card. I care about my credit score because, for example, we live in an apartment. They check our credit before coming in here. And so I, I think it is a little naive to say, screw my credit score. I don't care about it. But so often we, we are self-sabotaging in so many ways to try to grow this credit score, which ends up, you know, really causing us all of this, all of this prop, all of these problems of credit card debt and things like that. So the biggest thing is no, I'm not anti-credit card at all, but you should use a credit card the same as a debit card. You put money on it, planned spending every month and the balance is zero at the end of the month, every single month you pay, you pay it off the next month. It starts with zero every single month. Um, it, it's not a genie lamp where you just spend and say, well, someday I'll pay it off. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was wondering, because I'm at the point now where I'm trying to build credit because I don't have any, I don't think, and I didn't go to college, so I don't have any debt right now. So I don't okay. have, yeah, I mean, that's good. It's just, <laughs> I'm kind of, tr- you know, it's a different route, but nevertheless, like my idea was, you know, I was debating if I should get a credit card. But my whole thing is I, so I'm, I have lots of fears around money and, you know, Mm -hmm. ever getting in debt or spending too much. So, you know, as I was explaining it to my dad, I was like, Hey, like, would it work, you know, if I just got a credit card and I have, you know, three kind of, you know, big investments, but not really that I want to, you know, I know I want to invest on in the next couple coming months. Mm -hmm. I want to pay them off, you know, whether that's with a combination of checkings and savings, whatever, I was like, can I do that? You know what I mean? Like just get the credit card, buy these things that I know I have the money for, pay them Mm -hmm. off right away and use that to build like a positive credit score, which I'm so new to the game that I don't know what that means. But so I like- Exactly. Okay. So So that's how you would suggest it then. Okay. Yeah. The the biggest thing is just at the end of the month, making sure the balance is zero. Um, Here's the thing. So millennials are, it's insane. Most of my clients have credit cards with over 20% interest, um, which means if there's a balance, they're paying over 20%. I have, I I mean, I have clients who have up to 29% interest rates. Like it blows my mind. It makes me want to like throw up. But here's the thing for me, I do not care what my interest rate is because I will never have debt on my credit card. I don't care if it's 50% because at the end of the month, I will never, ever, ever start the next month with a balance that's growing interest. So I don't care what the interest rate is is on it at all. Um, And so again, the biggest thing is that when it comes to growing credit, I would not recommend um, getting a credit card with fees on it because you're, again, you're basically paying to build credit. And I just think that's insane. Um, the only exception to the rule is, um, for example, if you fly like for American Airlines, if you're big on American Airlines and you pay $30 for a checked bag and you travel all the time, and so you're ending up paying a couple hundred dollars a year then if you buy that, if you do have their credit card, I think, I, I mean, this, this sounds like a sponsored ad. I don't even know the information. So go look this up. This could be totally wrong. Um, but I think their fee is like a hundred bucks or something. So if you are going to check a bag over three times, it does pay for itself. So things like that. Yes. But if you're just saying, oh, well, you know, I'll make, I'm paying $500 fee every year for this credit card, but I make up for it in points don't do it because there will be a time where, you know, it changes and you decide not to use that card for that. And then you're just paying $500. It's just no. So for the most part, my rule of thumb is making sure that you're getting a credit card with no fees. And then also just making sure that you are understanding credit. Like, um, so a great recommendation is to, even if you're like, I have no credit, I don't know where to start is credit karma. It's free. You can create an account and know your credit score and it will alert you and give you updates. So as an example, let's say you go, you, you apply for a credit card, you get approved and your balance is a thousand dollars. If you use a thousand dollars every month of that, that is actually going to impact your score because your utilization is very high. You're using all of your credit, 
which they want you to use, you know, they don't want you to use 100% of your credit. They want you to use lower amounts. So you can start learning that in Credit Karma before you go and do that. And you're like, whoa, why is my credit score going down? I paid off the balance at the end of the month. But because you, you, you didn't know that the utilization rate goes into factoring. So education around that, the more that you can do that. And so that's why I love Credit Karma because it is free. Um, that you can do that. And there's also, um, they have a tool once you have an account and you're logged in free account. Um, I forget what it's called. It's like credit score projector or something. And you can go in there and it will say, what if I apply for a new card? How will that impact my score? What if I apply for this? What if I take out a car loan? What if I, and it, you, it, it asks all these hypotheticals and it will show you how it impacts your score. Um, so that's a really important one for, um, you know, if a little, I can't talk while you're learning and while you're trying to understand more and just educate yourself, that's a really great one. But the biggest thing is just treat it like a debit card. You know, you wouldn't say, Oh, my debit card is a negative 5,000. I'll just like leave it. Like, no, that'd be crazy. So just treat your credit card the same as a debit card. And at the end of the month, make sure it's paid off and you'll be golden. And that credit score will just build instead of yes, it's building, but you're going so far in debt, you know, things like that. No, I, I feel that. Yeah. And that's what it's just, someone else recommended that credit karma and I was on there kind of looking around and yeah, it's definitely something where, you know, it might not always be fun to learn about, but at the end of the day, if you can just take, you know, a couple of minutes each day on your lunch break, whatever, and just scroll, read a bit, mm-hmm. educate, I think it's, going to definitely make you happier in the long run as you don't make, you know, dumb little mistakes that can really add exactly. up over time. Well, we've talked, I mean, about, you know, overcoming debt, about saving money, about making money, you know, spending money, and you offer so many other, you know, great ways to help people on your Instagram. You always have tips and captions and I'm always like reading them over and analyzing them and trying to figure out how, how they go into my life. But, you know, where, what, what else do you offer? Cause I know you do the coaching and mm-hmm. I saw you have, it's like the negotiation. Um, what was that? The nego- playbook. Yes. Okay. That's what I was looking at. Cause I was very interested in that one too. I saw some people's comments on it. So can you just talk a bit about like what you offer to help people? For sure. Of course. Absolutely. So um, my signature program is called Wealth Accelerator. It's a group coaching program. Um, and that's my big transformational program. That's for somebody who's like, I need to completely change the way I am with money and the way I handle money so I can come out the other end, a completely new person getting the results big time and changing my trajectory. Like that's the transformation all in program. Um, but then I also have great resources when it comes to courses and then again, the negotiation playbook. So a ton of great courses, not a ton, a couple. Um, I've one specifically on impulse spending. It's a self-study course that you can just get and go through. I have a couples course that's amazing for couples to go through and get on the same page with money. Um, and then I have a course specifically on how to negotiate your starting salary. So that's for my corporate people um, who are, or people who are in corporate and going to a new job or college students who are graduating and going into a job, um, like people have saved literally 15, not saved, people have negotiated a $15,000 higher starting salary from using that thing. It's insane. Um, and then lastly, the negotiation playbook. So the negotiation playbook is like my little baby. I love it. It's an ebook. Um, and it's 20 plus templates that can be applied to so much more about how to negotiate. So we didn't really touch on negotiating, but I negotiate basically everything in my life um, and negotiating saves me so much money. I negotiate um, in the, in the um, playbook, it has how to negotiate an Airbnb. I negotiate like every Airbnb I've ever stayed oh, at. Um, okay. Yeah. If you, for travelers, like it's amazing. I negotiate like there's car, how to negotiate a car, how to negotiate rent, how to negotiate if your tenant increases your rent or if your landlord, excuse me, increases your rent. Um, how to, um, like an engagement ring. We just got engaged. My fiance, um, did an amazing job. I was like, that was like the first question I asked. I was like, how much did you pay for this? Did you negotiate? (laughs) He's like, okay, babe, let us, let this be romantic. Um, but so many things where you can literally copy and paste, send it to the Airbnb and have your rates lowered. Like it's crazy. It saves people thousands, but 
Um, yeah. And, but I also have a ton of free resources. Like you mentioned my podcast. I have the deeper than money podcast. I have a free Facebook group called deeper than money Facebook group. And I go live every Wednesday and just do free coaching every Wednesday at 6 PM central. Um, so tons of free resources too. I have a, I have a challenge. I can send you the link to it. Um, but it's called the thousand dollar challenge of how to save a thousand dollars in three days. So, so many free resources. If you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I want to get started, but I'm just nervous go check out the free stuff because, you know, you can start getting the wheels rolling and then check out some of the other stuff later. Yeah. If you want to send that link, I'll put it in the bio. And then I'm interested. Yeah. I, I knew the negotiate, you know, I saw that on your page, but I wasn't mm-hmm. even thinking, you know, I figured I was like, Oh, rent car, you know, things like that. But I travel a lot and <laughs> that is obviously like a big suck of money. So yeah. that's interesting. <laughs> like I never even contemplated negotiating Airbnb. So I, I may have to check that out, but and yes. then, yeah, it's, so. it's seriously, it'll, ch- when you get in the mindset of like, what can I negotiate? It changes everything. See, I'm naturally like, I've always negotiated and you know, like when it doesn't come to money, but anything else, mm-hmm. I'm like, just give me, you know, this bit more time. So I'm naturally <laughs> a negotiator and I think Heck I yeah. because I, I, I like my money and I like <laughs> my negotiations. So uh, <laughs> I might just have to do that, but <laughs> Heck yeah. We just released a inner tiger about to go take on some (laughs) negotiating. A hundred percent. Well, and so you have your Instagram at that's at deeper than money too, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, it was an absolute pleasure to talk with you and I'm just so excited for people to hear this. Yay. Thank you so much for having me today. It's been so fun. I hope you all feel a little bit more educated on finance now and just maybe you find like one action step or something to think about from this episode. I hope so. Uh, Let us know. Chloe's on Instagram at deeper than money. I'm on there at Emily Feichels and at Let's Thrive Podcast. We would love to connect. Just hear your thoughts, what resonated, all that good stuff. So thank you guys as always for listening and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.